What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 40th episode of the Football MD Podcast. I am Dan Ronan, joined with my co-host, Mike Bowling, as per usual. And today we have an episode that we are very excited to bring to you because it is finally crunch time. Championship weekend is upon us, and we will soon know who gets to play in the big game, Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. As our season ends and the offseason begins, we will be with you all year round, bringing you a ton of relevant content so you can be prepared for next year's season, whether it be with knowledge for your favorite team or whether it's fantasy knowledge you seek so you're ready to take home that fantasy championship next year. All you need to do to acquire said knowledge is stick with us in the offseason at Football MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or check out our website at footballmdpodcast.com and we'll be getting you that content and that information to you so you can be prepared for next season. As for today's episode, we will be discussing both championship games in great detail. But before we get into the games, we will discuss the ever so popular Kyler Murray situation. Something we are all very intrigued by as the draft process as the draft process grows more popular popular by the season and every pick affects every team so we will jump right into the situation and let me start off by asking you Mike what are your thoughts on the Seisman Trophy winner selecting football over baseball well I think the big determining factor for Murray is exactly what you just said will he choose football over baseball I do think that him declaring for the NFL draft does show some intent for him to chase his football dreams but of course the being a first-round pick in the MLB isn't such a bad thing to fall back on either. So which way will he really take, and how much clarity will we have on that situation, and will NFL teams feel comfortable enough to take that chance on him? Because no team's going to want to spend a high draft pick if he's just going to end up going to the MLB. And, of course, we were just talking about that before. If you spend high draft capital, a top 10 pick on a player, and they end up not working out or not even playing for your team if he chooses to go to another sport, that can set your franchise back five, ten years even. So that's a pretty big gamble for NFL teams to be making. But I think just as a prospect, I like Kyler Murray a lot. Obviously Heisman Trophy winner, so a lot of other people like him a lot. But I think he's shown a ton of accuracy as a passer, and he's flashed some dynamic running abilities that I think would definitely give him a place in the NFL. Of course, just like any college prospect, there's going to be question marks going into the draft. His size, we were talking about it earlier, he's listed at 5'10", and he may even be shorter than that. He's only 195 pounds, so how will that size translate to the NFL? Um, Also, Big 12 quarterbacks going to the NFL. Of course, Patrick Mahomes has seen a ton of success, but other than that, there really aren't too many starting caliber quarterbacks that have come out of the Big 12. So just like any other prospect, there's going to be questions, but just from the eye test alone, he is a very talented player. So I do like him, and it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out come April. And I really couldn't have said it better myself, Mike. You really nailed it. You really nailed that one on the head. There's going to be a ton of question marks. There always are with quarterbacks. You know, there's obviously a ton of positives with this kid. The explosiveness, the big play ability, the rushing ability. It seems like it's correlating to today's football game. But there's always the question mark of, you know, yes, he can run around in college. And yes, he can perform in college. But is that going to translate to the NFL game? That question will always be there. And we'll never know the answer until he gets there. So, in my opinion, he still remains a top-tier quarterback in this draft. And he'll end up being a top pick in this draft. 
which leads me to my point as to why exactly he chose or will be choosing football as opposed to baseball. And I had to do a little bit of research when it came to this topic because when I first thought about it initially, I thought it was a no-brainer. You got to take baseball. There's less of a chance of injury. Longer career, more money. And as I did the research, slowly but surely, I realized almost none of those points are true. For example, we'll start with the longevity of the career. In MLB, you can play between 35, 40 years old. But specifically at the quarterback position, if Kyler Murray sustains a long enough career, he can play until he's 40. Tom Brady's doing it. Drew Brees is doing it. And it seems that other quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, are well on their way to be on the same pace to play at that age. So by the time Kyler Murray hits that age, it wouldn't be unfeasible to think that he could still be playing. Also, as far as the money is concerned, yes, baseball contracts are much higher being that it is an uncapped sport, but with the risk of playing in the minor leagues and never actually making it to an MLB into the MLB lineup, there is no guarantee in a high contract in baseball. Whereas a top 15 pick at the quarterback position will be making between 5, 10, if not 15 million dollars a year right off the bat. So he can make more money more quickly, not in the long run, but more quickly, and sustain a career just as long. And this is certainly going to be one of many situations that we're going to be paying close attention to throughout the offseason, throughout free agency, up until the draft. So make sure you're staying tuned as we keep you guys all up to date on the latest news surrounding Kyler Murray's situation, as well as a bunch of other players and interesting prospects coming out of college this season. But we do have two games to cover here, and they should be great ones. This is the NFL Conference Championships. We have the Rams going up against the Saints, the Patriots going up against the Chiefs, and these are the four top-ranked teams in the NFL. Everything shaped up perfectly for an awesome weekend of football ahead of us. So I'm really excited to not just cover these games, but watch them this weekend. And there should be a lot of scoring with the way things are shaping up. These are some of the highest-scoring teams, some of the most prolific offenses in the league. And I know that they say defense wins championships, but... Doesn't really seem like the case this season. There's going to be a lot, hopefully a lot, of offense this weekend. So that should make for some really exciting games. But defense will still play a very pivotal role in these matchups. I think whichever team's defense can do just enough to slow down the opposing offense. We know that these are all prolific offenses, so they can all run up the score. Which, But whichever defense can do just enough to slow them down and let their offense get ahead, I think that's going to make all the difference in these matchups. So we'll hop right into them here, starting with the Los Angeles Rams taking on the New Orleans Saints. And if the Rams can run the ball the way that they did on Sunday against the Cowboys, they're going to be really tough to stop. C.J. Anderson has been such a solid addition to that team. Obviously, no one expected him to rush for over 400 yards in just three games with the Rams. But people do forget that Anderson was a 1,000-yard rusher last season behind a Broncos offensive line that really wasn't very good. And now combined with Todd Gurley, that backfield has a unique one-two punch. And I think that'll be huge for the Rams because the Saints are one of the better teams against the run, allowing just 3.6 yards per carry on the season, whereas their secondary really doesn't scare you too much. I know that Marshawn Lattimore played well last week, but he's really been up and down over the course of the entire season. Yeah, and you really did nail it. The Rams' run game is huge, pivotal, really, for their success in this game because you really do got to break through that strong, strong Saints run defense. And quite frankly, they might just 
very well be able to do it, the Rams. But in my opinion, to not any credit to the running backs, both Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. Quite frankly, I think it shows that it really doesn't matter who you have at that running position. Five weeks ago, C.J. Anderson wasn't on a team. He might have been a very successful 1,000-yard rusher last season, but put a picture side-by-side, he is not in the same shape that he was last season. He does not look like the same player. He looks more of like a fullback, more of like a Mike Tolbert type of type of back. Fat back. <laughs> yeah. But because of the running lanes and the schemes that Mike that Sean McVay's and the offense pave for these running backs, it just sets them up for success. And I'm not trying to take anything against them. Or, I'm not trying to take away the fact that as a team, situationally, that run game not only is strong, but can solidify you victories. I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying it is powered by that awesome, stout offensive line. And that's going to be tough for the New Orleans, or any team for that matter, to really stop. Yeah, and like you were saying, just the scheme that the Rams run, it makes it very advantageous for every offensive position on the field, really. The way that they line up on the line of scrimmage, every play that they're running looks exactly the same pre-snap. So it's basically impossible for defenses to guess what's coming, especially once they get that run game going. At that point, it's just all downhill for them, or gaining momentum, (laughs) I guess, by going downhill, not in a bad way. But, you know, you get the run game going, you have Jared Goff running play action, and it's just a nightmare for defenses to keep up with. And to your point, it's actually something that great play callers and great offensive-minded scheme coaches, not only like Sean McVay, but Sean Payton and Andy Reid do very well in that making the play pre-snap look very similar. And the way they do this is by complicating the situation, but also simplifying it at the same time. I've probably discussed this a little bit before, but in today's offense with the RPOs and the motions that these offense coordinators bring to the table in their offensive schemes it gives the quarterbacks multiple looks in any given play so they don't have to audible they don't have to change a play they can run no they can run the play that was called and they just have to find the correct way to facilitate that ball like a point guard in basketball that's all they have to do they have an option to hand it off to a running back. They can pull away and not hand it to that running back. They have a jet sweep coming across the formation. They have an option to also hand it off there. They can also keep the ball if they want to sneak it. They also have two boundary wide receivers and probably a tight end that also go out and run routes. More passing options if that opens itself up on any given play. And to do this, these coaches... They do the same thing every single play. They'll run a wide receiver left, across the formation to the right side, every single play. And the one play where you fall asleep and don't cover that jet sweep coming across the formation is the one play he gets the ball, and he takes it for a 20-yard gain. And that's what these offensive-minded coaches can really do for your team. Like you said, pre-snap, setting up your team for success. Yeah, and it'll definitely be interesting to see how the Saints are going to slow down this Sean McVay-led offense. And like I said, I think a big part of that is going to come from stopping the Rams' run game. And 
I'm really not sure how they're going to do that. Sheldon Rankins, of course, he's unfortunately out of this game. He tore his Achilles last week against the Eagles. So it'll be really interesting to see how they try and defend against this Rams rushing attack. And then for the Saints on offense, we know how hard they are to stop when they're playing at home in the Dome. And I know the win over the Eagles last week wasn't very convincing. But as we've said before, great teams find a way to win even when they're having a down day. So I am expecting a bounce back performance from this offense here. And one thing that the Rams certainly cannot allow is letting the Saints go on these 11-minute drives that eat up the clock like we saw last week. That just drains your defense, kills your ability to get a groove on offense. And... A lot of that comes from their run game as well. Of course, Nadam Kingsu did a great job slowing down Ezekiel Elliott last week, but it's not going to get any easier here with the Saints having Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, two of the best running backs in the NFL. And speaking about Nadam Kingsu, and of course, his interior defense alignment mate, Aaron Donald. They are a very unique team, these Rams, and how they bring their pressure. Most teams bring their pressure with either outside linebackers or defensive end. Think about your main pass rushers in this NFL. J.J. Watt is a 3-4 defensive end. Jadavion Clowney is a 3-4 outside linebacker. Von Miller is a 3-4 outside linebacker. Khalil Mack is a 3-4 outside linebacker. He can also play defensive end. These guys come from the edge and they rush the passer. The Rams, they bring their pressure from the interior with Ndamukong Su and Aaron Donald. That not only shuts down the run game, creates a lot of pressure on quarterbacks from inside the pocket. That is actually, in my opinion, the biggest advantage of this Rams football team, especially against Drew Brees and Tom Brady, two of the remaining quarterbacks left in this postseason. And the reason why is because less mobile quarterbacks, a la Tom Brady, a la Drew Brees, they have to step up in the pocket. If they cannot step up because their pressure is coming from the inside, that means they have to boot out. And they do not thrive while throwing the ball outside the pocket, on the run, on the move. It's not what they do. This is not as big of an advantage for the Rams against a team like the Chiefs, a la Patrick Mahomes, a guy who thrives on the edge of, of the defense, who can get outside the pocket, extend plays, and still make very impressive passes. So... In my opinion, this week up against the Saints, that is single-handedly their greatest advantage, the Rams. They need to keep bringing that interior pressure. It'll shut down the run game, at least force them outside, which makes it a predictable run game, and it'll prohibit Drew Brees from nailing his big passes downfield because he won't be able to step up in the pocket. This is extremely beneficial. It is difficult for teams to deal with. They are accustomed to getting that pressure from the exterior sides of the tackles. And that's not what the Rams do. It's unique to their scheme. And more power to them. It's really what's giving them an advantage during this postseason. As you said earlier, it's going to be the defense that steps up that really makes the difference. And that advantage could be the difference maker for the Rams. Yeah, and I think that definitely was the difference maker the last time that these teams met in Week 9. And that's speaking to Michael Thomas's career performance that week. He went for 211 yards against Marcus Peters. Now, of course, they didn't have a keep to leave in that matchup. And I'm sure the Rams have been game planning on how to stop Michael Thomas. But if they can't do that, it's going to be tough sledding for that defense. And on the bright side of that, it's really just a one-man show for the Saints at the wide receiver position going downfield. Of course, there's Ted Ginn. He's stretching the field, and you have to pay attention to him. But Michael Thomas is the only real 
threat that if you can't shut him down, it's really going to be a long day uh, for your defense trying to stop the Saints offense. Again, to be honest, with the Michael Thomas versus Marcus Peters situation, I I honestly feel Marcus Peters is a bad matchup for Michael Thomas, and here's why. Because Michael Thomas is a technician. He's going to go out every play. He's going to run the right routes. He's going to be in the right spots. Drew Brees is going to rely on him, get him the ball. And Marcus Peters really is an aggressive style cornerback who is set to take advantage of your miscalculations. When you're not in the right spot, when the ball is overthrown, when the ball is a little underthrown, he's the guy who's going to be aggressive, jump the route, and try to take advantage of that situation. Guess what? With Mike Thomas's frame, when he is in the right position and he wants to box you out, there is no jumping the route. And if you try, that means he just got behind you and he has the elite athleticism to get yards after the catch on you. I think Aqib Tlaib will be a much better matchup against Michael Thomas. And he wasn't available the last time these two teams played. So I do think that, again, is another factor that's going to play into the Rams' benefit. It's going to be Aqib Tlaib helping out against Michael Thomas, which is a much better matchup for them. Aaron Donald bringing the pressure in the middle, and that might be what leads this defense to step up and be the difference maker that we're talking about. I still think, to be a little bit more definitive here, as much as I'm talking Rams, I do actually think the Saints get this win at home. The Saints are 8-0 with Drew Brees and Sean Payton at home in the playoffs. They're a tough team to beat. It's hard to go in there. They get a good home field advantage. But this is what the Rams are going to have to do to go into New Orleans to get that victory. They're going to have to step it up on defense. They're going to have to do so by getting the pressure interiorly and using a keep to leave, who I think as a veteran corner will be a much better matchup against Michael Thomas. And if they're able to do that, that is going to be the keys to victory for the Rams, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm going to have to take the Saints here as well. I just have to go with the experience of Drew Brees and Sean Payton at home playing in the playoffs in this matchup. But one last thing for the Saints, they got hit with a league-high 20 pass interference calls this season. So they're definitely going to have to clean things up on defense because they can't afford to give up free yardage and first downs to this Rams offense. They're hard enough to stop as it is. And it's really funny that you mentioned the officiating because maybe it might just be on the side of the New Orleans Saints in this game. An interesting little side note, a little side storyline. A Rams fan started a petition to remove the head official, Bill Vinovich, from the NFC title game. This story coming from Bleacher Report is pretty interesting. It's really about this head referee in games where he refed the Los Angeles and going back to the St. Louis Rams. The Rams are 0-8 in games officiated by Vinovich as a head referee. They also have more penalty yardage than, than any other team that Vinovich has ever officiated. And on multiple accounts, the gentleman who started this petition references bad calls or at least questionable calls that resulted in game-altering consequences for the Rams or I should actually say against the Rams and really made some solid points in proving that there might be something to this. I mean, I'm not somebody who would really buy into this type of story usually. I don't know about how you feel about it, but 
usually I wouldn't buy into this. You know, it seems kind of, but he really does seem to, to have done the research and it looks like there's some statistical numbers and data to back his up his claim that maybe there is a little bit of an issue with the Rams and this official and this official and maybe it affects some outcome. And so you're telling me this Vinovich guy is the reason Jeff Fisher went eight and eight all those years. This is why this is why they couldn't <laughs> Absolutely break not. Now, Absolutely I, now I know not. what it is, this Vinovich guy. But no, honestly, I I really don't buy into it so much, but we do want the conference championships to be as level a playing field as possible. So if the way of doing that is by removing Vinovich from this matchup, then I think the NFL has to do it. And I think the Rams should give this fan, I forget what his name was, they should give this guy box seats or something, season tickets, because they're having a fan. He got 1,500 signatures. That's that's a dedicated fan right there going above and beyond. So let's get this guy some box seats or something for this game. His name is Andrew Liptock. But yeah, so it seems like he's got the signatures he needed. The petition has some solid, you know, statistical analysis and data backing his claims. And I will say, I will agree with you. I don't buy it. I don't actually believe that Vinovich is out to get the Rams and doesn't want them to win. But as I said, it is the NFC Championship game. Maybe you Jeff have, Fisher slept with his wife or something. <laughs> you have plenty of, plenty of officials that are available to work this game just it's not even worth having the media be able to question because god forbid it does come down to a questionable officiating call the nfl will never hear the end of this story as crazy as it sounds the nfl will never hear the end of it any guy that'll go the distance to get 1500 signatures on a petition you don't want that guy as your enemy so i, <laughs> yeah. I think the nfl just gotta you know for like easy 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 we'll change the official for real though where did this guy how long did this guy keep this track of this information it says that it was actually over 2012 since 2006, 2006. 12 years so he kept this information for 12 years he's been collecting this data this guy and, first, just been and first of all the rams are only zero and eight during this time so it's not like glaring data like this guy had to go and like specifically look for this this <laughs> yeah. guy did due diligence and yeah. he was very thorough so he whatever. must have a serious obsession with bill vinovich i think that he in my opinion he had to be trying to prove that bill vinovich was the best referee ever that was this guy's main motive for this entire data collection. Yeah, and, and he and just it, happened to find out that he hates the Rams. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if anyone listening knows this guy, please get him to reach out to us or let us know who he is. Let's get him on the podcast. I want to hear all about his search. I'm sure he had a whole map up on a board in a dimly lit room with strings going from face Oh, you got to face, Yeah, you're picturing, you're picturing yeah. the, uh, the, the detective, <laughs> the yeah, detective the, board. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> or, the, or the serial killer. Who did or it? serial killer. <laughs> detective or serial killer. Yeah, so There's a fine line between the two, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, so, let, so let's get him on the podcast. That's, that's what I say. But, <laughs> but moving along from all of that nonsense, we both take the Saints in this matchup, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, it kills me to say, I do think the Saints are the safe bet at home with the experienced quarterback. But you guys know how I feel as an Atlanta Falcons fan. Let's go Rams. I know that <laughs> I know that it's the Saints that are the, you know, the favorite and more than likely going to take that victory. And I'm not going to say that Drew Brees doesn't deserve it, but I will be rooting for the Rams the entire time. Let's go underdogs. <laughs> 
And now we'll move right into our second matchup of the week, the New England Patriots taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Patriots have been a much different team at home compared to on the road this season. They average over 32 points per game at home, but just over 21 points per game on the road. That's just not going to cut it against this Chiefs offense. And we see a similar home road split for the Chiefs defense as well. On the road, they've allowed over 34 points per game, but they've been a lot tougher at home in Arrowhead where they've allowed just 18 points per game. So if these trends continue, the Patriots will definitely have their work cut out for them on offense. I totally understand everything you're saying, and I can't dispute any of it. But my argument, although it's not too substantial, it is pretty simple. And quite frankly, I do think it is still enough. And it's simply this. It can be any place, any time. I don't care that it's the loudest stadium in the NFL. I don't care that it's home field advantage. I don't care that the Patriots barely won at home and now they have to go on the road. I don't care that they're not as good on the road. I don't care that the Chiefs have been lights out at home as opposed to them on the road. So, yeah, I realize so yes, I realize almost everything is in the favor of the Chiefs and almost nothing is in the favor of the New England Patriots. Until Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are not on that team, they are the favorites in my opinion to win the AFC Championship game every year you can fight me but Tom Brady has been to 13 of them 13 AFC championships game he's tied for the most Super Bowls he's also lost two of them that is the most conference championships of all time too. oh Just absolutely going to, yes. almost double almost yeah. double I believe the next low the next highest is seven yep so almost double and he'll probably get that if you don't retire this year yeah you oh, know what I'm sure. saying so and I don't care what the line says. I don't care what the spread is. I don't care who the public is favoring. I don't care about all that. Until Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are not on that field together in a New England Patriots uniform, they are the favorites in my book. You can throw all the stats at me. You can throw all the, you know, every number you want at, in the book. It doesn't matter to me. As simple as it is, sometimes, you know, there's these long, exaggerated, I don't have one of those. It is Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Odds are stacked against them. That's in their favor. That That is in their... The odds being stacked against them, in my opinion, is in their favor. Because that's when they're going to step it up. That's when they're going to play their best football. That's when they're going to be the most prepared, in my opinion, still the favorites. And speaking of crazy stats that you really don't like to base your opinion off of, one in favor of the Patriots, Tom Brady has played 10 postseason games against quarterbacks who it was their first trip to the postseason. In those games, Tom Brady's 10 and 0. Yeah. No now, surprise there. No now, surprise. Patrick Mahomes, he's a different breed. He's probably the best quarterback that Tom Brady has faced out of those 10 games, but that's just one of those crazy stats that, you know, it's fun to throw out there and talk about. Tom Brady has never lost to an opposing quarterback when it was their first trip to the postseason, and that's just experience. Tom Brady, we know he has experience in the postseason. He's here basically every single year. So, this is common ground for was him it whether 20 he's a 20-year career away. and he's been there 13 years. That's unheard of yeah and i know people are talking about the arctic blast that it's going to be in kansas city like it's not yeah. cold in foxborough foxborough spring so, weather <laughs> yeah. so I, I really don't understand you know maybe it's going to be 15 degrees in foxborough and five degrees in kansas city it's not going to make much of a difference that 10 degrees it's cold as hell no matter yeah. where you are and i'm sure i haven't done the research but i am sure if you go back and look at the history of tom brady and the new england patriots with bill belichick i am sure in their postseason in january have played plenty of their fair share 
of very, very cold games, so I doubt that that's really something that is a realistic concern for them. If anything, I'll be honest with you, it can be in Kansas City. That might be a larger concern for the less experienced Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs. For sure, but I think we really saw the blueprint for the Patriots' success in this matchup back in Week 6 when they beat the Chiefs, and they did that by staying balanced on offense, forcing Patrick Mahomes to make some mistakes, and relying on experience to provide situational advantages, especially in the red zone and in third down situations, and what exactly does that all mean? So I think we'll just run through all of these real quick, and staying balanced on offense, the main reason why teams falter against the Chiefs is they try and keep up with their high-powered offense and start making costly mistakes. And this isn't the most talented Patriots team that we've seen, but it feels like they've been experimenting all season to figure out what type of game plan makes them play like the best version of themselves, and it seems like they figured that out. And that's by getting Sony Michelle going in the run game and implementing design screens and short passes to guys like James White and Julian Edelman. It seems like the best plan of attack now that they're missing a downfield threat in the passing game. Yeah, and it's really, really impressive. You really got to talk about it like this. It's the short passing game with the ball getting out of Tom Brady's hands very quickly versus Patrick Mahomes with his, you know, extend the play, let routes develop, and see if you can make an explosive play. It's really like one, they're polar opposite strategies, and both teams are implementing them to perfection. Tom Brady doesn't really have that explosive weapon. But, like you said, he gets the ball out quickly, and not just quickly, accurately, so that his wide receivers and running backs can catch the ball on the run, in space, and have an opportunity to create yards after catch. On the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes will get out the pocket himself and extend the play and allow Tariq Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey to find open lanes deep down the field. No, in that situation, no one strategy is better than the other. It's just what works. But, like you said, with the Patriots team constantly changing throughout the season, Gordon coming in, leaving, and you know the, the fear of them not having that deep threat, that explosive threat, it's fine. They, they have done it before. They have seen it before. They have dealt with it before, and they're prepared. Yes, they don't have, you know, the Randy Moss. Because that's it happened to them before. They had Randy Moss. And mind you, they didn't win the Super Bowl with Randy Moss on the team. They went 16-0 and and lost to the Giants. But they've won plenty of Super Bowls with Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, Wes Welker. There's these guys who, you know, like I said, they thrive in getting the ball in short passing situations and taking yards after catch because... Tom Brady could be efficient with the ball. We talked about it last week before the game. If he supplements the run game, not just the run, but an extension of the run game with the short passes, it allows him to just be efficient. Look at his stats last week. He was very efficient with the football. Very efficient. High completion percentage. Um, a lot of yards after catch. Just a lot of touchdowns. You name it. He was just very efficient. Picking apart the defense where he saw necessary. As long as he does that, it doesn't matter that, you know, they're more explosive on the other side of the ball. He will be able to supplement and keep up with them regardless. Couldn't agree more. And then one of the next keys that we want to talk about for the Patriots is forcing Patrick Mahomes to make mistakes, which obviously is not an easy thing to do. But Bill Belichick needs to try and overwhelm Mahomes by throwing a bunch of different looks at him. And they especially have to limit those big chunk plays and make the Chiefs have to travel the length of the field 
force Mahomes to hold on to the ball and try and make those circus throws that we know he can make, but we've seen him falter in those situations. The longer he holds on to the ball, the crazier the throw he tries to make that obviously is more of a risky play that a very disciplined defense like the New England Patriots that we know they're going to be game planning for these exact situations. You just have to hope your defense can make a play and really set your offense up for a hopefully a positive field position and you couldn't be more right like you said we know that not only are these plays going to happen but we know that Patrick Mahomes actually thrives in these situations He's great at those. he can make those plays as every time you question whether he can make that throw or whether he can make that play he's going to surprise you he's going to impress you and he's going to make the play but forcing him to do that over and over and over and over again and not only that but the preparedness the readiness of the New England Patriots because of their head coach will be there and they'll almost not only be trying to take advantage of it, they'll almost be welcoming it, looking for it, almost trying to put them in a situation to do it more and more often to take advantage of just that. And I point to the Rams game. You know, Mahomes, as good as he is, as talented as he is, we know how talented he is. We're all mind blown and and excited and polarized this entire season by his abilities but he is still a very young quarterback and in the Rams game he had two possessions within two to three minutes both opportunities for game-winning drives he threw two interceptions in both of those possessions do I think he's any less of a quarterback no I just think he's young and he's gonna make mistakes and Bill Belichick is just the coach to put you in that situation and take advantage of that you know, Tom Brady has too much experience on the other side. He's not going to beat himself. So like you said, it is to their benefit to put themselves in a position where maybe that's all they need. They need you to beat yourself. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but it is a good strategy for them being that Patrick Mahomes is a young quarterback. As talented as he is, mistakes will be made by young quarterbacks. It's going to happen. And as good as he is, and as impressive as he is, he is no exception to that rule. Tom Brady was an exception to that rule. Aaron Rodgers not an exception to that rule. Peyton Manning not an exception to that rule. There's not been a single young quarterback who has been perfect. And Patrick Mahomes is no, is no exception. And then the last thing that I have for the New England Patriots is that their defense really has to be aggressive on third and long situations. We know that the Chiefs aren't afraid to go for it on fourth and short, so the Patriots can allow that offense to make a big play on third down and set themselves up to convert on their fourth try. We saw it multiple times when they played the Colts last week. The Chiefs continuously converted on fourth down and that really just crushes your defense keeps your defense on the field they start getting tired against this high-powered offense they're gonna end up finding the end zone if they keep on doing that and then your offense is getting cold especially playing in arrowhead now they have to come out on the field they're not in a groove they have to try and find their rhythm and it really just takes over the time of possession and it sets your team up for failure so being aggressive on third and long i don't care if it's third and ten you can't let them gain eight yards because they're going to go for it. And history says they're going to get it. So with a high-powered offense like that, you just have to stay on them for the entirety of the game. Don't let them start to crawl out when you have them in a favorable situation. Now, I really love that stat. I really do. I, you nailed that one. To me, that is a huge difference maker in every game. I know this sounds you know, like pretty silly, but realistically to me, when I see football and when I – you know. Think about winning football and a good strategy to win. To me, it's all about first and third down. All about first and third down. It's all about getting ahead of the chains. It's all about converting on third down. So you got to get ahead of the chains on first. 
convert on third. If you're going to get there, obviously. Obviously, ideally, you're hoping you're converting <laughs> every every you know every play. You hope you get a first down. But that's not that's not realistic. It's not going to happen. So it's all about first and third down. And like you said, especially for the Chiefs, they're willing to use that fourth down. They're willing to use it. So you got to take advantage. You got to shut them down. The Chargers against the Patriots last week, they deployed the wrong strategy. I talked about how they had to use stunts to get Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram inside. And that's not what they did. They continued to rush them from the outside, just as they normally do, and it was to no benefit to them. Coming into this week, the Chiefs have a much better opportunity to get that job done with Chris Jones. Chris Jones is one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL, and he can create pressure from absolutely anywhere. But the fact that he's a 3-4 defensive end means that he can get inside and create interior pressure, which we talked about. This is going to force the quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Drew Brees to struggle. Patrick Mahomes would be fine with this, but Tom Brady, who needs to step up into the pocket and deliver passes downfield, he's going to struggle if you collapse that pocket from the inside. So Chris Jones and even D4, their top pass rusher, he is an outside linebacker. So yes, typically he run, rushes from the outside. But I'll say again, it will be to the advantage of the Patriots to use a stunt, get him inside, and combine that with Chris Jones inside, and you can create a lot of interior pressure. That's going to disturb Tom Brady, the New England Patriots, and their game plan. I also talk about you know, Aaron Donald. It's not just the fact that he gets the pressure from inside, but it's his the time that it takes for him to get from the snap to the sack. He dominates that stat. It does not take him very long because inside is the most direct route to the quarterback. So you don't give him enough time. That stops That stops the strategy of getting the ball out quickly from being an efficient, effective strategy if you can get to the quarterback quick enough. So really, I think it would be very advantageous to the Chiefs to do exactly what the, Chief, exactly what the Chargers didn't do last week and bring that into your pressure. That'll really stop Tom Brady from establishing himself early. And if he's able to establish himself early, that's trouble. Mind you, it was trouble for the Falcons in the Super Bowl down the stretch. But if you looked at the beginning of the game when the Atlanta was dominating, Brady Jarrett tied the single, the individual sack record for Super Bowl with three sacks, all from the interior of the defensive line. So that's what can really disturb and force Tom Brady's struggle. So again, I'm going to harp on it. I harped on it last week. I'm going to harp on it. I'm going to harp on it again this week. That's what's going to be advantageous, not just for the Chiefs, but for the Rams to pull these upsets. And I say upsets because I know the Chiefs are the favorites and I know they're home. But like I said, without Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, until they're not there, the Patriots are the favorites, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's exactly what we said last week. You just can't let these veteran quarterbacks sit in the pocket, read the defense, and be able to keep their timing. You have to try and throw out their timing, throw off their mojo, if you will. Absolutely. You can't let them sit there and get comfortable against your defense. And thankfully, the you know I thought it was surprising last week that the Chargers couldn't do that. But of course, as you mentioned, the coming from the edge for Bosa and Ingram is... Definitely a challenge, not being able to get to the quarterback fast enough. But the the Chiefs do have one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. They tied the league lead with 52 sacks. And this is the same exact thing I said last week. They don't have to get sacks on Tom Brady. They just have to get him under pressure. But if they 
can get sacked. You know, they sacked Andrew Luck three times last week against the offensive line that allowed a league low 18 sacks on the entire season. That'll be a huge, huge advantage for this offense to be able to not just get pressure on Tom Brady, but actually put him down on the ground and, you know, really start to slow down that offense. So with all that being said, I know that the Chiefs are an awesome team. Patrick Mahomes, the story, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, it's a great story, but I 100% just have to side with the experience and the expertise that the Patriots have displayed over just years and years of doing this. So I'm picking the Patriots to win this one. What about you? I'm going to go with the Chiefs at home. Woo! And in fact, I'm even going to call a little audible here and backtrack. I'm also going to take the Rams. Oh, man. I'm going to take the Rams and the Chiefs this weekend. You know, as good as the veteran quarterbacks are, as much as I trust them, I trust their experience. These, so, so you're going with the new blood yeah. taking over, and I'm sticking with the I'm sticking with the old heads. Yeah. You know going. what it is to me? It's just those teams are too talented. You're riding on Drew Brees. You're riding on Tom Brady. Not that they don't have talent around them, but the other two teams, in my opinion, are more talented. They have good coaches. It's not like their coaches aren't good enough. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they're not Bill Belichick. Yeah. Well, it's, are, a, it's experience or yeah. talent. What do you want to go with? Yeah. And my favorite thing about these matchups, my favorite thing about these matchups is – I wouldn't be surprised if either of them go either way. Absolutely That's why I'm not. so excited. There's not going to be any surprise in this game. It's just going to be a great game. Yep. Whether Jared Goff can take down the New Orleans Saints or Patrick Mahomes can take down the New England Patriots, it's just going to be whichever team makes it to the Super Bowl, I'm truly going to feel like that team deserved to make it there. They're beating the best competition in their conference to get there, and that's what I'm the most excited about. Oh, I couldn't agree more, and except for the fact that one has to be the Saints because I hate the Saints. I, really, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know. I, I would have loved to see the Colts in this situation <laughs> against the Patriots. But, but no, you're absolutely right about you know we have the four best teams in the NFL as per Pro Football Focus grade, and that is a good metric. They really do dive in deep to the, each every team, a lot of key factors, and they you know they crunch the numbers and they give you a real reasonable and and realistic outlook on each team and these are the top four teams as per the pro football focus grades they're the top four teams that deserve to be there and like even you said from, even from the eye test though yeah. i think if you if you've been following week in and week out every single no these are the best teams you're right yeah, just watching the just, game they've been they've been great and what pro football focus they do an amazing job calculating all of those numbers for us so we yeah. obviously don't have to but you know it reflects what we've been seeing and that's not always the case every single year. So I'm very happy and very excited to watch these games this week. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, we talked about it a lot, but just, you know what? It is at some point we are sitting on our couches. Enjoy this weekend, you know. Yes. Uh, after this weekend, you're going to get the Pro Bowl, and then you'll have the Super Bowl. But, you know, football season's almost over, guys. And this is the best of the best going at it, and it should be very entertaining games, especially, you know, we're expecting a lot of offense, but don't forget in that in those cold weather games in Kansas City coming up, that could really slow down the two offenses more than either the defenses might be able to slow yeah. down the offenses. You know, so a lot of factors to consider and a lot of variables, but no doubt we can guarantee that there's going to be good football, solid football, and solid competition this weekend where. The playoffs hasn't been all so tight and all so competitive, you know?
Yes, 100% going to be an awesome weekend of football. And since we've already thrown out a few of them, I have another weird stat to share with you guys before we head out. This is the first time in NFL history where in each conference, one of the quarterbacks is playing against an opposing quarterback that is 10 years younger than they are. So we've mentioned it multiple times throughout this episode. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they are veteran presences in the NFL. And this week they're facing two opponents that are 10 years younger than them in Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff. So this truly is the veterans of the league, future Hall of Famers, playing against the up-and-coming, soon-to-be marquee players in the NFL. So this is just great football to watch. We couldn't be more excited for it. And we couldn't be more appreciative to have you guys tuning in, listening to our takes on these episodes, on these matchups. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And make sure you continue to tune in to us on social media at FootballMDPod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We post every single day getting you guys news, interesting statistics. Dan has his player profiles that he's going to be coming out with. And we have so much awesome stuff planned for you guys throughout the offseason. So make sure that you're tuning in there. Again, that's at FootballMDPod. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And enjoy some football this weekend, guys. Until next time.